Kirsten Dunst gets over it. Take a trip to New Jack City and pray you survive the Battle of Los Angeles this week on 302010. Welcome all to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, showing you what the world looked like 30, 20, and 10 years ago to this very week. Hello. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista, who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and I have a third arm growing out of my back. I know, I don't know, what, that, I know what that's a reference to. Ugh. It's me, Sarah. <laughs> oh, and I know where that meme comes from now of Wesley Snipes being sad about <laughs> killing someone. <laughs> No, we. I. I feel like we hold, need like a whole side episode on how many fucking bizarre movies come out in 1991, yes. and we have one of them this week. Yes, and uh, in case you do not know what we do, we look at the world across three decades. We're recording right now uh, the period of March 5th through the 11th in 1991, 2001, and 2011. So join us on this journey. We'll let you know what movies, TV, uh, music you were listening to, video games you were playing, and, and via that. You'll remember your parents' divorce, or <laughs> the the first time you got laid, or something like that. It's a, it's crazy how this can open a window to things you were doing. Because let's be honest, we weren't all Brett Kavanaughing our life into a calendar, saying exactly <laughs> what we did every day. Uh, <laughs> all I'm saying is, I cannot wait for next holiday season. I get to tell the story of my first kiss. Oh, really? <laughs> we're coming up on the 20 year anniversary. I can't wait till this. I was a late bloomer. <laughs> I can't wait till this September where I can talk about plans. No, I okay, that's a bad joke. But nine uh, eleven's coming up. That's a tease. Oh. But so this week we won't be talking about anything like that. Just a bunch of very weird but very fun movies. One of my favorite episodes of Saturday Night Live. And a bunch of other and weirdness across the board. How about that? That is your promise. Yeah, <laughs> there is weird shit every single week. Yeah, yeah. This every is, which way you turn. Yeah, if if, if things if these things were more popular, they would have been released in the holiday or summer. So they're all weird, not necessarily bad. Uh, so let's move on with it. Oh, I got to say right off the back, this show is executive produced by David Reinhardt and many other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time. There's so much great stuff coming your way right now. We got our commentaries uh, are coming to you that we've been doing over on uh, Twitch for Goofy Movie and House Party. <laughs> we've been doing some light commentaries, relaunching the Monday Night Movie with uh, Matt Allen and um, with some Video Game Apocalypse 302010 games. We got to start 1991, March 5th to the 11th. A little news to bring you into this decade. Following Iraq's uh, capitulation in the Persian Gulf conflict, U.S. President George H.W. Bush, the Nagada president, told Congress that <laughs> aggression is defeated. The war is over. It's over. It's over. Uh, <laughs> Mission accomplished. No, no, he wasn't stupid enough to do that. <laughs> but it, it sort of was in that, like, the conflict was over. Uh, well, you know, I can't our say that part of the conflict was over. Yeah, I can't say that for conflict was never over. Yeah, like I can't. It just we didn't get as much information as we did during the next Gulf War, which was just yeah. like that's what there was multiple twenty four hour news networks instead of one, with, mm. and uh, and they were all built to cover this kind of thing. Great, America, awesome. Yep, that's... America, it's awesome. Let's all keep wearing flags and yellow ribbons and. Mm-hmm. We're great. We feel great. I guess we made up for Vietnam. Yay. Yay. Uh, 
Yay. Ooh. No, Bush has something like a 90% approval rating here. It's something mm. that's unheard of. And guess what? He doesn't get reelected anyway. <laughs> There's a fat hillbilly with a a target on you. And a saxophone. And that is why I am taking saxophone lessons, because I'm about to announce my candidacy for president. Sarah's sax biased, but... um, (laughs) Are you old enough to run for president? I think, aren't we all? This year, I yes, I became old enough this year. All right, so you can form your exploratory committee. Good for you. And I shall. (laughs) It's basically my sister going on Facebook. (laughs) Hey, does anyone want Sarah to be president? (laughs) I mean, there's there's so many represent. There's a few representatives right now that set the bar very low for running for public office. I mean, that's fair. Why not? Why not us? Uh, We should run together as a group. A tri-president. <laughs> oh my god, yes, I would love that. Do the fun stuff like the pardoning of the turkeys and the Easter egg roll. Oh come now, I'll be. The, I'll give the stern dad talks. Uh, there's not going to be anything for Christmas this year. Nobody, everyone gets minimum wage. The old one. <laughs> um, and I'll just use satellites to blow up my enemies. There you go. Diana, Diana will take the Star Wars desk. News would just be, oh no, Brett Ratner got vaporized from space. What happened? <laughs> oh, President Day. Oh, oh, did the president really karate kick Steven Seagal out of nowhere? Yeah, he did. You can't do anything about it. Raking my ass. Uh, anyway, March 5th of the 11th, 1991, Silence of the Lambs is still number one at the box office, but there are other movies such as Judo Gong Li. Uh, yeah. That is a movie, Diana assures me. Yes, that is a movie directed by Zhang Yimou starring Gong Li that is so good, but major downer, mm. of course. Uh, but it's notable for a couple of reasons. It's his, I think, second film after Red Sorghum, and it's like getting a ton of international attention because Zhang Yimou is one of our great visual stylists of directors. I mean, he did like Hero and uh, Raise the Red Lantern and Curse the Golden Flower, the uh, Beijing Olympics. Mm-hmm. And this is the first Chinese film nominated for an Oscar. Really? What? Yeah, uh, I don't know if they just never submitted stuff or if there was an actual embargo in place for a long time. And uh, yeah, deserves it. It's shot on old school Technicolor, so it has a really distinctive wow. look. And it's about this woman who's sold into marriage with this abusive piece of shit. And he beats her all the time. And then she falls in love with his nephew and they have an affair. And then they kind of get revenge on the piece of shit. And there's a lot of drama. And it's one of those movies where it's like only 10 minutes in, you're like, Oh, most of these guys are going to die by the end of this movie, aren't they? <laughs> this is going to be really sad. But oh, uh, Judo is really good. Judo, J U D O U. And then we have oh, Closetland. Who could forget? Uh, Madeline Stowe and Alan Rickman. As a big fan of Twelve Monkeys, I've all, I'm always looking for one other movie with Madeline Stowe in it. Mm. Well, this I, is a lot is... of Madeline Stowe in it because these are the only two characters. Oh really? She's she is an author who's written a children's book in some sort of under some sort of repressive regime, and Alan Rickman is interrogating her about how it's secretly like anti-government. And a lot of the reviews were just sort of like, well, they're trying, but mostly Alan Rickman is amazing. Put Alan Rickman in everything, and I'm like, well, yeah. Who wrote Butter Battle Book? <laughs> We've got a two out of three for Alan Rickman this week. What? Oh, we're still dying That's to right. find our coast to coast thirty twenty ten champion. I know. Oh, that'll uh, be a great day. But every um, decade. was this a play first? Sounds like sort of thing that might have. It a play really first. a bunch of things said that it felt like a play, but I don't think it was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, all right. 
Also, closet land. I mean, that's a very like that's obviously Narnia, right? Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I just thought, what a weird title. Yeah, I thought that yeah, was yeah. like a like Gaberhood or something like that. <laughs> I, I did. Closet land. <laughs> okay, I'm not, I'm not making a joke. Yeah. That was that was what I assumed. Let's just oh. looking at it. Closet land. And All right, let's get to the real shit that people yes. might have heard of. The dark backward movie. Oh. It's so weird. It made no money in the theaters, and then it became kind of a minor cult thing for a while. I remember it just to people passing it around, being like, "This exists," yeah. and I was like, "What?" It's like, "No, this exists." I, be- I believe not that it's good. It just exists. I believe I remember in the early days of the Craig Kilborn Daily Show, Judd Nelson came on, and he's like, "Why? Why don't you explain this?" And just ran an out of context clip from this. And you can just hear the audience losing its mind. Like, what the fuck? What? What were you in? And I, I, I I've been. I can never remember the title of the film, but this is it. Yeah, The Dark Backwards, starring mm-hmm. Judd Nelson, Bill Paxton, Lara Flynn Boyle, and Wayne Newton. <laughs> wah, 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 what? Yeah, already it's like I want to have dinner. I want to oh, have dinner with these poor yeah. people. That sounds wonderful. Donkey for that cast. Go yeah. to that rap party for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh hell yeah! So Judd Nelson is a garbage man who wants to be a stand-up comic, but he is horrible at it. And then he starts growing a third arm out of his back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course. that becomes his act, urged on by his constantly guffawing weird friend, Bill Paxton. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the this tale is old as time. Obviously, we've all seen it before. <laughs> the hero's journey, the third arm. We know all these archetypes. <laughs> yeah. It's like Chekhov's gun, Jed Nelson's third arm. Yes, yes. Wait, this is a ugly movie that is very unpleasant to look at. Like, it it's like it takes place in Garbage World. It's kind of like if David Lynch tried to make a wacky comedy. <laughs> like, that's the tone they're going for. They're totally going for, like, a David Lynch buddy comedy. <laughs> it is unpleasant to watch but that might click with some people i mean it might be like this is finally my dreams are realized because it's I so mean, fucking strange i loved monkey bone so anything can is possible honestly <laughs> yep uh, uh but uh, yeah. i saw this was on amazon so... it was and now now it isn't you have to rent it oh, okay, okay. free mm-hmm. uh and that's yeah you gotta rent it but it is around and it is yeah, it's it's a trippy one. We have oh, so many movies in 1991 that are, are just like how, why, what, how. We were going through something. Yeah, you know? we just... really were going through something because we've already yeah. had Meet the Apple Gates, which is fucking bizarre. We have yeah. the Dark Backward. We're gonna have Naked Lunch by the end of the year. We have Jesus. that Dan Aykroyd one that uh, everyone oh, hates. Nothing but trouble. Yeah. Yes. And uh, and we have a great movie from Hong Kong that I just rewatched the other night because I'm going to be on a podcast talking about it. Speaking of Craig Kilborn, they used a clip from it of a guy getting his oh! head smashed in. Ricky, uh, Ricky O. We are going to talk about Ricky yeah, O this Ricky year. The best. I rewatched it and I love every second of it. Yes, it's a movie where someone, this guy gets his gut ripped open, then he pulls his intestines out and tries to strangle someone else with him. It's you know, it's you might as well fun. go out. You know, it's one it. of the most entertaining movies ever made. People, please, like, I, if we yeah. get to I'm it. really looking forward to. I'm going to be on uh, Random Movie Roulette. They asked me for some movies to talk about. I threw all the weird ones of 1991 at them. They picked Riccio, and I was like, I should have just opened with that. This movie <laughs> needs to be seen by more people. It does. It's fucking awesome. Uh, it's the most violent freaking thing I've ever seen, and yeah. I've seen Dead Alive in a theater. Ooh, <laughs> wow. Uh, wait, yeah. no, so have I. But not Riccio, man. I, uh, whew. Uh, anyway, dark backwards. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of seeing something in a theater, 
It wasn't this week, but this would be Little Chris's second rated R movie in a theater. So oh. you'll be able to understand after this and Betsy's wedding, I didn't know what all the fuss was about with this, this, <laughs> this R rating. Um, but I chose this one because my uncle was taking me for my birthday and I got to pick any movie I wanted, which my parents would never do. And I pointed at the one movie rated R at the 50 Cent Movie House. Penny Marshall, Luis Guzman, Delroy Lindo, Annabella Sciorra, Stephen Lang, James Woods, and Michael J. Fox in The Hard Way. Oh, that's why you picked it, isn't it? it Michael J. Fox. It was, R, it was only the R rating. Uh, oh. Movie star Nick Lang wanted to find out what it was like to play a real-life cop. That's my character, man. That's my guy. If I can taste his world, if I can walk his beat, if I can get under his skin, I will nail his part. Just stop. He's about to find out the hard way. Michael J. Fox, James Woods. Somebody call a cop! The hard way. I mean, another cop besides me. Rated R. I just remember as as a kid, like I did not like this at all, and I had not bothered to watch it until now, and mm -hmm. I still don't love it. But like critics were very kind to this film. Hmm. Yeah, I, I was pretty shocked I was by that. Than I was expecting. But that that is the yeah. the undeniable charisma of obviously Michael J. Fox in like one of his like two rated R movies, and uh, J James Woods. It's hard to recommend James Woods for some reason, even harder than. Mel Gibson, because James Wood spends a lot more time sucking in public. Um, yeah. Mel Gibson did like three bad things wow. 10 years ago, and uh, I still can't let it go. James Wood sucks every day He's in every way. Awful. He is consistently awful. He is consistently awful. As a person, as an actor. As a person. He, I know. As, as a, actor, as a comic awesome. actor, he is fucking wonderful. I hate, yeah. I hate <laughs> this. I hate this. I hate recommending James yeah. Woods. He sucks, but he's also great. And he's yep. really fun to watch in this pulpy. We didn't mention it, but I can only pinpoint it from Back to the Future 3. The 1990 Universal logo celebration is one of my favorite things in film history that has all the Universal logos in a row oh, yeah. and then debuts its new CG. And it, dun, dun. It, it shows every logo from the, black, the first black and white one with a little toy airplane. Oh, that's cool. And I know it. I know it's on Back to the Future 3, which came out a few months ago last year, and it's on this too. I just wanted to give that a shout out. Watch it just for that. It always makes me feel really good. Yeah. I mean, they told you exactly what it is in the trailer that Michael J. Fox is an obnoxious actor, and he gets paired with James Woods to research a role, which is funny if you watch The Simpsons, because that is something <laughs> I'm just James talking to my microwave. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, yeah, and then they're they're following. They're going after a serial killer, and Michael J. Fox is a pampered LA dickwad, and James Woods is a gritty New York cop and trying to show him what it means to be a cop. And it's not all fun and games; it takes a toll. So, damn it! It's corny as hell. It's cheesy as fuck. It still looks great. Hmm. And mm -hmm. the, the hardest thing to buy in it is um, Michael J. Fox is a bankable movie star. Hi but, uh, Damn. But it Ow. might yeah, it might be the only movie uh, that star like starring James Woods. Like I don't know. Yeah, I, there's a bunch. I, yeah. In the lead, yeah, but like Salvador in this, and that's that's, sort of, <laughs> that's kind of about it. He's like there's he's always HBO movie. There there's is there's a bunch yeah. of HBO. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's like he was, he was the was original kind of Pacino. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Speaking of Oliver Stone movies, mm -hmm. uh, I want to give a shout out to the Rewatchables podcast, which is totally drafting on us on the underappreciated films in 1991. They've already mm -hmm. done an episode on Sleeping with the Enemy, 
And they just did an episode on The Doors with Chuck Klosterman. Ooh, interesting. And they obviously liked the movie way more than we did, but they pointed out something. I can't believe I blanked on it because they're so full of praise for how much Val Kilmer just turns into Jim Morrison. Mm -hmm. And we didn't even mention that he does all his own singing. I I was watching it. I, I, I honestly can't believe that. Are you sure? Yeah. I am totally sure. Yeah. He did a lot of practicing and by the time they were done, it was hard to tell. If you listen to, because they would use the original Doors musical tracks, Mm -hmm. taking out the vocal track and have him do it live. And he could only do it a couple times because it would just wreck his voice. Mm -hmm. But (gasps) yeah, and they won't stop talking about like, (laughs) <laughs> how much it's like Kilmer is the perfect person to play this he does he looks like him he's not doing an impression and it probably damaged the reputation of the band because he's such an asshole <laughs> <laughs> it's like well yeah yeah so that's cool I hate I hate plugging other things for you to spend your time on but rewatchables is a real fun podcast god damn it cut that out of your brain listeners um, I'm waiting for them to like catch up on some of this other weird shit that we've We've had on here. Recommending another podcast on a podcast. Yeah. Uh, that's the only currency we have to offer. Uh, but <laughs> I would love to know what they have to say about our next movie, too. Mm. Uh, because which, this is kind of a landmark, and I didn't appreciate it at the time. I didn't either, and I, which I don't know if I, you know, I'm fucking 10. I don't know if I, when I saw this, but this time, I fucking loved it. Uh, <laughs> I loved it. Judd Nelson, Chris Rock, Mario Van Peebles also directing... Ice-T mm-hmm. and Wesley Snipes in New Jack City. A new kind of crime family. We gotta look out for one another. A new breed of cop. It is a war out there. A new world to conquer. A new chronicle to be told. Wesley Snipes. We will own this city. Ice-T. Mario and Peoples. And Doug Nelson. This is big business. This is the American way. New Jack City. Rated R. I, I and and especially because I'm I wasn't kidding if you heard me do that promo I didn't I didn't know that musical genre of the early '90s was called New Jack Swing so this mm. this movie's oh. the, the title is sort of Rock and Roll High School it's, it's, <laughs> it's I I almost ran a count on how many times they say New Jack anything in this because yeah. it's it's more than a like half a dozen huh stop that New Jack bullshit we need New Jack cops for a New Jack City I, that, all right was that your idea uh, this this movie is glorious, pulpy, silly. I, I, like, uh, how do I how do I phrase that on the well, show? Just just unafraid to be evocative of its era, and uh, oh, is yes. wonderful, wonderful, and yeah. looks gorgeous. But it's it's silly in how serious it is. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's what what I was amazed thinking about this. Like in the context of all the movies we've talked about over the last five years. Like we've had gangster movies. Mm-hmm. We haven't really had any gang movies yet. Like addressing the crack epidemic, what's going on on the streets in black neighborhoods. And we have two this year that is the one-two punch of, oh, this is a whole fucking genre now and people better pay attention. We have Boys in the Hood coming up this year. Right, because Goodfellas is six months ago where he was like, I don't want to see you dealing that shit, Tommy. Right, and and here is it's about crack is destroying entire fucking neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And here we have like a, you know, a black kingpin ruling it all, taking over an entire apartment building, holding these poor people's lives, you know, as hostages, destroying everything, you know, but doing it like an old fashioned mob way, but with ridiculous violence. But it's clear that it has like a political point of y'all white suburban people need to pay attention to this shit. This is destroying our cities. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, because Mario Van Peebles, he's, you know, he's a fairly political guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it comes across. It's very, very clear. 
but it's like I feel like this is practically our first movie that is like a rap based movie. Like huh. it's about it's got the music of yeah. now and it's yeah. all rap centered. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I guess there's, I guess we, we there's one white character and his job is to every now and then say, was this some sort of black thing? And then Ice-T says, shut the fuck up. It, it, it's, yeah, I'd yeah. say that the only reason Judd Nelson is in the movie is to make up for the movie he's also in this week. It is. <laughs> but but I, I don't I love Adam Rifkin, so I wouldn't say that. But uh, but yeah, there's he he's one of the characters like there's two characters in here like these characters are pointless. And yeah. and but this is I don't know. It's fucking fascinating. Both uh, this and the uh, New Jack City and the Hardware are on HBO Max, by the way. So yeah. So you can see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was definitely... Gave me a little whiplash as far as, like, <laughs> the various types of gangster movies we're portraying here. Because, I mean, I'm always the person who brings this up, but the costuming is so good in this. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, the costumes so and the good. set design yeah. are so 1991. Like, do you, They're do you perfect, think, though. If you told me, I could make up a myth for you right now, and it could probably end up on the Wikipedia, that Kangle paid $2 million to be featured prominently <laughs> in this movie. Because yeah, I, I, I can't can see think of seeing the brand on screen before this, but it is fucking everywhere. Mm-hmm. It, it, <laughs> I started laughing because I think it's one of the very first scenes where they're at a club and Wesley Snipes comes in. He's wearing a Kangol hat yeah. and Ice-T is an undercover cop and he's wearing the same hat. And I'm like, oh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> Yo, go home and take that off, dude. This is embarrassing. We can't all be here yeah. like this. So, and, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because like Wesley Snipes is still kind of an up and comer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this shows, oh, no, he's got a ton of charisma. He can carry a movie. Ice-T, first role. Chris Rock, I believe, first role. Yeah. Poor Pookie. Pookie. Uh, I, I think Ice-T said he was paid $25,000 for this movie, which which went wow. on to make a yeah. shitload of money <laughs> to basically be the second lead in the film. But Wesley Snipes is the lead, yeah. far and away. Yeah. And, it, so, but yeah, Chris- it's about this black kingpin, and then the cops are trying to take him down. And then... Oh, the end, though, is so preposterous. Mm-hmm. I mean, they get Wesley Snipes. They have all this evidence on him. And his on the stand, he's like, it wasn't me. It was my number two guy. And the cops just go, oh, what? okay. And just arrest him in the courtroom with no evidence. I'm like, what? What is happening? But, like, the whole point is supposed to be, like, you know, the system is just as corrupt. Who is the real yeah. mob? Yeah. It's, it's almost like a fable, sort of, in that way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, just just yeah. like Wesley Snipes fade in the movie, where his hair is like a shark's fin. It is, it, it's his absolutely hair wonderful. Is carved <laughs> to the gods. Yes, yeah, that's good. Oh man, it's, it's I one of like the asymmetrical high top fade. I, ah! I, I, I've I've shattered a lot of praise for my name is Dolomite just because I haven't seen like Wesley Snipes have fun in a movie in a while because he's just so serious mm. and he's fucking having yeah. a ton of fun here and he, he's fun to watch. Uh, and he's not just a tough guy. He's very he can be menacing and scary, but he's also really funny. And and mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to remember like what was his last lead role? Like he's not this might be one of his biggest breakout roles. It's it's a really fun film if you if you yep. want to escape into the beginning of nineties cinema. Yeah. Oh, you know what his his previous roles were? Mo Better Blues yes. and mm-hmm. Major League. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Where he's all, all of them, he's like the third or fourth guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and then later this year we have Jungle Fever, and then year after that, White Man Can't Jump, and he is one thousand percent a movie star. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I can't this, wait for White Man Can't Jump. This oh. is like, oh, we're we're taxiing down the runway, and the wheels are just starting to come up. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and in terms of like, I will not pretend to be the authority on hip hop, but like the Cash Money Gang is referenced in 
about a billion places you'll hear this sampled in a thousand rap albums. The Carter Complex oh God, yeah. is referenced by Lil Wayne's album. Like this, this resonated with a, a lot of people who weren't eleven year old me for yeah. much, would, much longer. I would love to do research, and please, if there is someone who is better at this and knows mm. more about rap than I do, which is most people, <laughs> where is the first reference in gangster rap to the movie Scarface? because when that comes up in this movie i was like oh my god it's been forever for 30 years 30 years gangsters have loved scarface and i bet it goes farther back so someone please find me a 1986 rap reference to tony montana i want to know where it starts oh my god because it never stops they love scarface and and then call me the whole fucking genre is just about being scarface i feel like i remember somebody reenacting this sketch on an album and i i I, also, I I say sketch, but that's also because I want to. I really probably should do a laser time on the lost art of sketches in a rap album. Like that. Oh shit, man! Right? <laughs> like I can not only flow. God, I I, I should be on SNL. I, can... I want to do a little <laughs> skit too. <laughs> and if you've never heard Sam and I make fun of Ice T, he had a ton of sketches on his albums. They went like this: Yo, lady, what? I'm tired of the way you talking to me. Really? What you gonna... He played the same character in the exact same voice at the exact same speed every time. It's great. Well, it's... then we gotta talk about Destiny's Child, the writings on the wall, because all, every single interstitial between every single song is them as the four families as a mafia coming together oh, to lay down commandments. Oh my God. <laughs> it's a lot going on, but it's awesome. But where are we also in the timeline of Chris Rock, SNL? He's he... he's on SNL, and I think he was is in, he... like, Harlem Nights. But, like, okay. this is a huge, this is a crazy big role. First, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and I, I want all of the gifts of him almost returning to crack. It is some of the silliest <laughs> imagery I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. There's, like, lightning, and he's shaking and crying. Shaking a crack pipe face, and crying. Crack pipe and, like, up to his mouth. Ah. It's... <laughs> Oh man, I think it's it's probably not this week's SNL. I'm I'm almost positive it's next week's SNL where he comes on Weekend Update to talk about this film because there there were some like violence in parking lots at a couple places and Mm. that started the whole thing of like oh we can't have movies like this that cause violence Mm. and yeah he does a whole thing of like if you go see New Jack City you know if something starts stay low don't be the guy who stands up and says people people let's be reasonable <laughs> yeah this is one of the biggest chris rock roles i think he'll have for like 10 years in a film and yeah like before and after it's pretty nuts but yeah new jack city i can't recommend it enough it might be my recommend of the week it is it is yeah. and i hadn't seen it in like if I had seen it in full unedited, it had been 30 years, and I had a blast with New Jersey. Yeah. Um, but moving to television of 1991, March 5th, the 11th yearbook, an early reality show following teenagers' debuts on Fox. Fox is really throwing a lot of shit at the wall right now, trying yeah. to figure itself yeah. out as a network. They tried this again in 2000 of mm-hmm. just, like, let's go to a high school and just film kids. And I mean that's continued to this day. I mean, isn't that yeah. like what sixteen and pregnant is? Just focusing well, on a particular issue. I suppose this just There's feels a hook there. This feels enormously disruptive <laughs> to um, Yeah. To... Yeah. Oh, I'm sure that the school needed funding for this or that mm-hmm. and that probably played into it. But this one took place in Illinois and yeah, I kinda love these early experiments in uh reality TV though. Yeah. Like it mm-hmm. definitely became a phenomenon in the 
late 90s, early aughts, certainly. But these early little forays into that sort of thing, including the 7-Up series, including mm. American Family on PBS. Up like series. Wait a, wait. All of yeah. these are, like, really fun to revisit. And remember, like, oh, reality TV that this kind of genre has been around for a while. Like there's yeah. just, it did not catch on I, until. I, I, I tend to say like, like recently. video games, I got to see most of it. Like uh, growing up with video games and reality television. Mm-hmm. I was telling my girlfriend the other day that this, like, she's like, whatever happened to the real world? I'm like MTV had this dumb rule that they could use. Yeah, if we air your video, we can use your music and anything we want, including our commercials and television. And they've made all the real world episodes unairable because they're they're mm. they're packed with like sixteen now CDs worth of music they don't own, and <laughs> and they're on Paramount Plus. They're reuniting the original real world saw that. season what? because they can't they can't air the original fucking series. They have to reunite. Eric knees from the grind and like and get everybody back 30 years later. Yeah. I don't know how interesting that's going to be because we all, real world uh, season two, three and five are the best. And, mm, <laughs> Miami. Fuck still my favorite season. Fuck and the first new Orleans is also really good. You got the one with our friend on it. Um, no, no. Okay. She's uh, not our friend. Oh, <laughs> 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 Uh, and then, um, and even stupider TV news. Oh, this is awful. Uh, like, just because I, I watched the first episode, and like, uh, based on characters created by Amy Heckerling, like, yay, Amy, I like you. And then just, yay, you deserve money. Mm-hmm. This utter awfulness ensues. And like, I've, I've never seen a laugh track appear so obvious than in the Look Who's Talking television adaptation of Baby Talk. I've heard people make fun of Kevin Arnold in uh, The Wonder Years for having to just sit there and sort of mug at the camera, knowing that Daniel Stern is narrating something in a booth far, far away. Tony Danza. Uh, The camera needs to shine at a baby who clearly is being like, having the attention off screen. Hey, hey, baby, hey! (laughs) And it's just a camera shot on a baby with Tony Danza dialogue, and you can hear people's footsteps. You can hear people scratch their their like neck. There's no audience there. They pipe in the laughter, and that's over a cast that includes Julia Duffy, George Clooney, and William Hickey. Oh, <laughs> I love these people so much. Wait, who's William Hickey? Um, William Hickey, you would recognize his voice immediately. He's like the mad scientist in Nightmare Before Christmas. Pete and Pete's uh, grandpa. He's also in- um, isn't he's one of the grandparents in uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, the yes. one with the bad rug? Mm-hmm. Got it. He's okay. got yeah this de- this voice that sounds like he died six years ago. Yeah, that's a great yes. Tales from the Crypt he episode. He's amazing. Um, I love him. And yeah, I'm, Julia Duffy, who just coming off of uh, Newhart. This is probably her first gig off of Newhart. Mm. And George Clooney, this man cannot catch a break. Holy a shit. little. A little bit before this, he I, I found out that he auditioned something like five times for Thelma and Louise and didn't get it. To his buddy Brad? Wow. Uh, He's soon to be, but one day buddy Brad. Will you think it. they talked about that on the set of Ocean's Eleven? Mm. I hope they did. I hope they came to blows. <laughs> you son of a bitch! To protect the pretty faces, at least. You Jeez. can have Thelma and Louise, but I'm taking the Mexican. Uh, my body, including... <laughs> And uh, I have a clip of it. It's awful. It's so awful to play. It's so awful to look at. It's on YouTube. Baby Talk, the Look Who's Talking TV show. We're going to go get in a bus and go see that nice man. 
Nice man. Let me guess. We're going to the doctors. <laughs> and a joke. when we're all through, he's going to give you a big balloon. Uh-oh. I see where this is going. Please, don't say anything about the toy store. <laughs> I watched that. I watched. Th- these lines don't make any sense. The, it's only watchable because like, the baby is adorable. They put dumb yeah. hats on him. It's <laughs> the babies are cute. I just like this lasted two seasons, and I'm surprised it lasted that long because, like you said, like having the baby wranglers, like trying to get the it, this had to be exhausting yeah. for yeah. everyone involved. Yeah. Like absolutely exhausting. Did anybody give birth to identical white triplets this week? Our our other cast <laughs> just died. Is, but they, they completely recast it and retooled it in the second season. It was something that was... So So maybe if you wanted it to succeed, name it after the hit movie! <laughs> Which they did not. Yeah. I don't get it. it. Was that was that like some the, a sitcom already have the name? Look who's talking. Mm-hmm. What? All I'm are... saying is, in 1991, Tony Danza stayed busy. Did Let's he? go. Mm-hmm. Who's the boss going on at the same time? He oh gosh! That's, that's wow, still happening. Yeah. Still going. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's something like I, I I like file into like things I heard my much older cousin talk about at Christmas with like George Michael and. Uh, <laughs> Duran Duran, mm. who's the boss? Like I, yeah, not familiar. But nor am maybe I familiar. they just took clips of who's the boss and made the baby also say those things. Uh, save some time. His mom that's has to be named Mona. Yeah, well, yeah that's the baby calling his mom Mona so much. <laughs> <laughs> did we all try to make that joke at the same time? Yeah, yeah, I think so. yeah we did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was going for Angela, but. Oh, yeah, yeah, either one. <laughs> uh, are we talking about the episode Golden Girls Witness? Yep. Uh, I was just going through Golden Girls episodes and found this one was fun. Uh, it's written by Mitchell Hurwitz, who did Arrested yeah. Development. Uh, Rose meets a new man just as her uh, ex, Miles, who's in Witness Protection, returns. And in a B-plot that made me laugh so hard, just thinking about where it was going to go, Blanche finds out her great-great-grandmother was a Jewish Yankee from Buffalo. <laughs> Oh, no. I mean, a Yankee is one thing, but Jewish? Heaven what does this fan. mean? What should I do? You know, a Yankee? Blanche has been through a lot, you know? She's really had to, like, adjust to so many things. Like her brother what, who's gay, right? What would Big Daddy say? <laughs> Luckily, she has a great fainting couch. <laughs> mm-hmm. that's true god uh, i love golden girls on 311 sucks balls uh st- studs de- st- sorry inside joke studs debuts on march it's not an inside joke we all know it sucks balls okay <laughs> uh studs debut and i wanted to find a great clip of this but i got really bored watching it because like it was yeah, so ribald there. and controversial but like by today's standards not no not even the- a little bit no. The biggest thing I could see is that about this is that Ron Goldman, person who's murdered. murdered along with Nicole Brown Simpson, was on this show like shortly before he got murdered. Oh my god, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a dating no, I mean, show. It's the dating game, but yeah. uh, you know, it was syndicated. It was daily, so it went for two years, but five hundred and eighty episodes because it went oh every my fucking Lord. day. And yeah, it's the dating game, but like the thing was, it was a bit ribald because instead of like. I don't know, making little jokes about like implying that maybe we'll have sex. It was basically, I mean, they couldn't actually say it was pretty much like, if you took my top off, what would you do to my, (laughs) Mm. and it was like, 
every single thing was about like, what would you say when you come to the door to pick me up for my date? And it's like, I wouldn't say anything because we'd be already in your bedroom. I wouldn't say anything because I'd be motorboating you so hard. This is like the worst of sexting, but like on sexting, but like on TV. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't help because it's the early 90s. So all the guys' pants are huge. Well, it's a high gigantic sort of, boners, of course. They're sort of ballooned up in the front all the time when you watch yes. it. Ugh. Oh, Ugh. I got the, the curb your enthusiasm pants tent. <laughs> yes, it's yes. the pants tent. Oh, even with all those pleats. I, I think, uh, yeah, it was two guys who both go out on dates with the same three women, and then they bring all five people out on the show. They'd occasionally uh, flip the genders and do it the other way around. Um, and I, the only reason it was canceled because it was Fox, and they had to make way for something bold and new, a Chevy Chase show. Uh, <laughs> but it was it was pretty successful as far as yeah. just pure pap. Like, just a bucket you can refill every single week. Ugh, I can't even yeah. imagine it's, wasting it's my time a, on this shit. It's easy. It's cheap. Mm. There is nothing but, you know, actors looking for work all over Los Angeles that are mm-hmm. attractive. You just bring them all. You know, this show does itself, man. You can just take a nap it's on true. your pile of money. And, and uh, moving into video games of 1991, March 5th to the 11th, uh, a big one just because it's like the launch of a genre, potentially the first MMORPG massively multiplayer online role-playing game with a graphical interface, Neverwinter Nights debuts for Ooh. DOS this week. Again, we'll talk more about that on patreon.com slash laser time with the Video Game Apocalypse Boys. Uh, their, their show's out every Friday. I'm on there usually, um, except for last week where I was late. <laughs> it's, uh, music of 1991, March 5th to the 11th. We have new releases. The new Jack City soundtrack, and that is probably your best bet on an iTunes nowadays. Soundtracks were expensive oh, yeah. as shit back in the day because they had like 20 songs and like a bunch of them were singles available on uh, other massive albums. Same thing with New Jack City. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, New Jack City soundtrack. Pick it up. Uh, Heart yeah. and Motion. This was a really big soundtrack, and I had a long... It was difficult to decide which song out of here we should play during the show. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help that at least three of them are called New Jack City. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it just depends on who it's by. There's a nice tea one. There's mm-hmm. a Queen Latifah one. Anyway, but uh, yeah, big Heart- albums. Heart in Motion by Amy Grant. So White Christian That's says also something a huge to latch album. on to. That's a huge and... album. That's her big crossover to pop yeah. from. Yeah. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah, it's oh, a, yeah. That one's a big deal. I remember. Yeah. I mean, Baby Baby's going to hit number one. Yeah, it played everywhere. And uh, Kill Uncle by Morrissey, as well as Truly Blessed by Teddy Pendergrass, are out this week. I love saying those uh, two names and albums next to one another. <laughs> Someday my Mariah Carey is number one. We will close out with that. But stay right there. Things only get weirder in 2001. Coming in with Jaded by Aerosmith off of Jeff's Push Play. We're all wincing, but... No, I'm not wincing. I love this song. I, 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 I always found Aerosmith's longevity a little weird, and I give them a lot of shit because 
I am tired of all of their music, but there's got to be something said for a rock band that has existed this long, mostly sober, has survived me too, and is very friendly to new musicians of all stripes and genres. Um, yeah. Aerosmith has does not have a bad tale in the history of music, so maybe I well, should relax a little. <laughs> I've, I've heard. I'm sure they they did in like the 70s, oh, but yeah, like uh, yeah, back in the day. But like, uh, yeah, they've they've somehow survived in this kind of climate as a rock band, which is sort of yeah, weird. Well, because they come up with good hooks, man, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. all this song is. It's, it's got a really good hook. I, I remember yeah. the the titular song, "Just Push Play," and it annoys me just having like, I, why can I not erase that portion of my brain and put something <laughs> else in there, like the B side on the dinosaur soundtrack? Um, but okay, <laughs> but new release is two thousand one, and other than Aerosmith, March fifth to the eleventh. Katie Hudson, the studio debut of Katie Perry when she was a Christian artist and uh, just before she changed her name to avoid confusion with Goldie Hawn's daughter. Really, I, I did. I somehow did not know her. She, she recorded under another name other than Katie Perry. I knew about yep. the, the Christian country origins, but um, yeah, there you go. Kate Hudson, Katie Perry. Jackie Chan's Who Am I by Jessica Andrews. <laughs> That's and, actually so. Um, <laughs> that's a country music album, and who am I? Who I am? Excuse me. It was a huge single on the country mm-hmm. music station. And it's like, and if you think you haven't heard this song, you definitely had because it's one that's like, I am Rosemary's granddaughter. That's how it starts out. So you know, I, is, you can do the rest of it. Is she Jimmy Ray? <laughs> uh, is she, um, when who it's wants o- to know? <laughs> that's what I was waiting for. Uh, when it's over, we still have to clean up by Snow Patrol. Um, accepted e- eclectic by uh, Jesus Assy alone. Am I saying that right? Uh, uh, it's AC alone. I spelled it out specifically. AC so you alone. God damn it! <laughs> I didn't ask for the shove. Anthology by Alien Ant Farm. Broken social yep. scenes. Uh, you know date. that one. I do. Mm-hmm. You know what we have to go out with? Of course, I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, movies. I love movies. Uh, Broken social scenes debut. Feel good. Lost. Uh, Mars slash Venus by Coffee Brown and Scorpion by Eve. Stutter by Joe featuring Mystical is still numero uno. So it should surprise no one that I love Broken Social Scene and Mm -hmm. that I really love this album a lot. I would have bet on Snow Patrol, but whatever. The mm-hmm. next, their next album is much more popular and has more of like the songs I think most people would hear of. This one's like predominantly like instrumental background type music, but it's still really good. I love Broken Social Scene. And yeah. speaking of music, moving into the news of 2001, March 5th to the 11th, Mel C, aka Sporty Spice, announces she's leaving the Spice Girls and the group goes on hiatus until 2007. Really? The girl with the tracksuit? Um, yep. Yeah, but who might be the best singer? Really? Oh. I've never She's, heard this take. Yeah, she. Uh, I've I've heard bits and pieces of everyone's like solo projects, mm-hmm. and hers and Jerry Hollowell, Ginger Spices. Am I? Yeah, and Jer- Jerry Hollowell's songs are better, but I think they're written for her. And mm-hmm. Mel C, I think, might be the actual best singer. Mm. It's, All right. This could be an interesting. This could start an interesting fight someday uh, at some bar. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I just break a bottle. It's yeah. baby spice. <laughs> <laughs> no, she was the luck. She was fucking idiot. Two thousand one movies, uh, March fifth to the eleventh. The Mexican is number one at the box office because if it wasn't, what was the point? Um, just get the two biggest <laughs> True, movie stars in the point. world together in a weird, dull script. Jesus, I've never been able to find this movie, Bartleby. Uh, sorry, yeah. David Paymer, Crispin Glover, and Glenn Headley. It's it's in college. I had to read this story again. This is 
Bartleby the Scrivener, right? Ugh. Mm-hmm. Um, Melville. Yep. <laughs> Wordiest motherfucker in the world, man. Thumbs down. Not Bartleby. He said like four <laughs> words. I know. That's that's the irony. Um, but yeah, but, so, uh, Crispin but, Glover playing him. I remember like. In college, like, and it's in a movie where he's played by Crispin Glover. I'm like, why have I never heard of this? And can I not find this anywhere? And still can't. Um, Is it not on Prime? Oh, I don't know. The site that I used to look these things up told me that it's on Prime, but I don't know. Okay. Well, I didn't try that hard this time. I'm I'm really not. I don't have 90 free minutes to, like, explore a curiosity. Like, to to, to an an 11-page short story (laughs) turned into 90 You don't want to go back to Melville, everyone's favorite (laughs) Uh, writer. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Billy Budd is so much fun when he spends five whole pages describing spilling soup and feeling sad about it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, so wordy. I hate it so much. <laughs> One of these days, I will read Moby Dick just to have done it, but no. I don't know if I can do that hundred pages on whale biology. But I'll I'm do it. Putting, I'll do it. I'm putting Moby Dick with the Goonies as far as like things I'm just never going to visit. I'm just, <laughs> it's just not going to be part of my thing. I'm just not going to do it. I got your Sorry. Goonies right here, girl. I think we should see it. Oh, yeah. I've had people buy me copies of the Goonies to like force me to watch it. I'm not going to. Sorry, it's it's one of those things like we talked about on uh, this week's Laser Time, like Karate Kid Goonies. I didn't grow up with it. I found it later. I'm like, this is still excellent. It's really fun. So, I'm not saying it's bad. I, I don't have that like Back to the Future, Flight of the Navigator energy for it. Is what I'm saying. But mm. I don't need you to watch it. But like, no, it objectively is very fun. Uh, it's kids, fun. kids getting in trouble with, with pirate gold. Awesome. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't love it, but I like it, I guess. Uh, anyway, Bartleby, um, yeah, it's super independent. It is kind of hard to get your paws on, but Crispin Glover is like great oh. casting for it. Of It's a modern day version of Bartleby the Scrivener where he's a guy, he works in an office, and then one day they ask him to do something and his response is just, I'd rather not. I'd rather. And it just like fucks up everything because they're like, oh God, what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's, it's like, it's tough because it's such a short story that's spreading it out even to like 80 minutes is kind of tough. But, you know, I, I love get, anytime you give Crispin Glover the right place to shine. I'm down. Mm. And um, yeah. we also have this week a uh, movie starring Josh Hartnett, Rachel Lee Cook, Rachel Griffiths, Natasha Richardson, Alan Rickman, uh, Blow Dry, Blow Dry. Oh, it's a British film. It's comedy. It's very cute and charming. It's written by the same guy who did wrote Full Monty. <laughs> I really want it and... to be the, the British remake uh, of Shampoo with Alan Rickman. There's oh, no. juggling oh. too many women. It's... Oh, you know I know that now so much. <laughs> <laughs> you know I watched this. I figured. Because it's a charming little British movie. <laughs> full of course of it is. Characters. And it's about a hairdressing competition. Oh. Yeah. Which is such a fun like conceit to build a thing around and of course uh two of our dearly departed wow alan oh rickman God. and natasha richardson mm. yeah. and my girl rachel griffiths mm-hmm. i just love her so much that's six feet under lady yes yeah. brenda, brenda which i cannot wait to start talking about that but anyways mm. but this is like yes yeah, super charming super cute very fun hugh bonville is in it as well lord grantham very different than Lord Grantham's <laughs> role. <laughs> yeah, I just, I didn't get back to rewatch it. I watched it, yeah, probably like 20 years ago. And I remember as being like cute and eccentric, not as not as good as I was expecting. I was expecting, I don't know, funnier somehow. That it was just sort of like, eh, it was okay. But it was fun to see all these people together being so silly. It's very full Monty. It's very like Muriel's wedding 
type type of vibes, basically. Oh, what's the other one about the singing contest? That it's other perfect. one. That one. Little voice. Little voice. Oh, little, little voice. voice. Mm-hmm. Right. And then this movie, I I don't remember at all. Carmen Electra, Martin Short, <laughs> Carmen Electra, Martin Short, Colin Hanks, Shane West, Cisco, Ben Foster, and Kirsten Dunst get over again. It. I want this dinner party. My God, this is. Guys, remember this for your Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon game. Yeah, holy this shit. This is a big, good one. I mean, Carmen Electra, Martin Short. Boom, there you go. Dave Navarro and every one of the Chili Peppers right there. Yeah, right. Ben Foster, you got Woody Harrelson. Go. Right there. Right there. <laughs> Lily Tomlin off of Colin Hanks. It's all great. And uh, get over it. Bert wants Allison. Kelly wants Burke. But her brother doesn't want any of it. Since when did my friends start calling you? Since today. On March 9th. Hey, grabby hand, step away from the sister. Love will strike. I kissed him too, and he likes someone else, and it's a problem. Whether you're ready or not. <laughs> nice trick, Landers, catching the ball with your face. Kirsten Dunst, Ben Foster, Cisco. Get over it. Rated PG-13. I do not care for that Earth, Wind, and Fire cover at all. I actually wish mm. it was dead. Oh, They all sang it at the end. Uh, so Get Over It is vaguely inspired by Midsummer Night's Dream, while oh. they're also doing a teenage high school production of Midsummer Night's Dream. And usually that makes me roll my eyes. You know, like, okay, we... <sighs> We've done, have we done like all of Shakespeare? Like, is there a teenage Coriolanus at this point? My God. (laughs) We are in the heyday of it, for sure. But it's actually pretty dang cute. Like, what? Because everyone is like really, like, these are talented freaking people. Colin Hanks and Ben Foster and Kirsten Dunst are all really charming. Martin Short is like the the theater teacher. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes, I'll just let it, just let him riff for three hours. I don't fucking care. So it's, it's a little it's it's pretty much what you expect but it's a little better because of the quality of the cast also it opens with a musical number that's all done in one shot for no reason whatsoever it's just for fun and they did a great job where yeah ben foster gets dumped and he's walking away from his girlfriend's house while vitamin c shows up and sings love will keep us together well and there's like a marching band shows up and a truck and dancers and it's just it's like, well, you really didn't need to do this, dude. You, you're trying much harder than the material requires. Good for you. But <laughs> does Cisco jump over a giant line of thong butts like yeah! Evil Knievel? Oh, I'm so disappointed. No. Right? That should definitely be part I know. of it. There need to we be more just thongs. just had the thong song. Yeah. Dumps like so- a truck. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So as, you know teenage relationship comedy better than average but that's still not saying a huge amount mm. but you know i i don't know if you want to give an a for effort just like yeah but you did about a best as best you could with this material so okay. diana's yeah. shrugging <laughs> it's um yeah, it really is a shrug of just like good for you this isn't something i have to like stop everyone and be like no actually this is like a lot better than i was expecting like i you know uh what's what's the one where they're at the party that we had like two years ago. Two hundred cigarettes? No. Um, oh, um, can't hardly Seth wait. Green. Can't no. hardly wait. Like, yeah, can't hardly wait. I watched as an adult and was like, yeah. "Holy shit, that was pretty good." Mm-hmm. This isn't that, but again, like, well, grading on the curve, you did very well. Yeah. <laughs> I'll uh, take it. Speaking of uh, odd movie experiences for me, like the hard way, mm-hmm. I have technically seen this movie dozens of times because it, this is the year I worked at the Suncoast movie store oh boy um, and i oh, boy. so there were only a, 
I, I thought it was odd when I first got in there. There was only a certain very small list of movies we were actually allowed to screen in the stores. And they're like, when in doubt, show Shrek. That that was the rule. And this was weirdly one of them. And the promo aired every 45 minutes. So I have not listened to the YouTube clip Diana put in here. But it probably has Kelsey Grammer yelling, if it bleeds, it leads. Because no, I've heard it that, doesn't. No. <laughs> but I remembered that ad. I was looking for it. I have heard that so many fucking times working at Suncoast. Fifteen minutes with Charlie Theron, Kelsey Grammer, Ed Burns, and Bobby De Niro. Tonight I present to you material of a violent nature. Who else but the crazy men would film their crime? <laughs> I want to know who these guys are, and I want to know now. They had a video camera, and I just wanted them to get out of here. Roll of the hunt. You want headlines? You want to be a celebrity? Shoot me! 15 minutes. Rated R. Uh, AOL keyword 15 minutes. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. So, oh, there's killers going around filming themselves committing crimes and sending them to the like hard copy current affair type show. And can cop Robert De Niro and arson investigator Edward Burns stop them in time? Because Oh, the 15 minutes is about how they want to be famous. Oh, I get it now. Okay. Okay, you're making a movie that is trying to say something about people trying to make themselves infamous, and it's 2001, and I don't think the internet comes up. Weird. That was the year, mm. that was the year we got broadband, so like, there's it's almost inexcusable. Like, it's not really an issue there, as opposed to... So it feels like this movie's from, like, 1979. Like they're they're going for I don't know I mean I feel like they're trying to be Dog Day Afternoon except that mm. it looks very very gray in two thousand onesie so uh no I guess like it was watchable but no nah, um, just again paint very average yeah. except for Charlize Theron's hair Ooh. <laughs> uh what do you he call has this weird haircut because she yeah. i think she works for an escort service and she's got these like she's got this like black bob with like really tiny baby bangs and it's very striking but makes her look like 50 yeah <laughs> okay and, and not pretty and, yeah uh, it's like how do you make the most beautiful woman in the world look unglamorous well there you go <laughs> and uh speaking of people who don't have 15 minutes in the movie kim cattrall and david allen greer are in the movie and not for 15 minutes so what the fuck but, wait it's uh, about the news yes like, kelsey grammar is is the the hard copy bill o'reilly oh, okay. and the killers are broadcasting their shit on television and they'd stop but we can't stop watching them i what i want is for dag and kim Cattrall to play like the morning yeah. hosts that are like <laughs> well wasn't that something with like they're airing stuff like anyways Going on to um, our chef, he's going to show us how to make some kicky margaritas. <laughs> Sadly, uh, Tag is the mugger, credited oh, mugger. mugger. <laughs> yes. The most and charming Cattrall mugger you ever did see. Kim Cattrall plays the mannequin at the department store that gets burned down. This guy, this guy took my wallet and did a great Teddy Pendergrass impression. Mannequin joke. <laughs> <laughs> Moving into television, oh my God. Ed Burns was everywhere following... What was that 90s okay. movie he was super famous for? Um, some mumblecore. Some the first something. one wasn't bad. Uh, the Brothers McMullen, right. is that it? Um, yes. And, yeah. and yeah, yeah. then the, the, what's the, the, other, the other movie with Tom Petty scoring the whole thing? That wasn't that bad either. She's was, the one. She's the one. And uh, 
So yeah. I bring up, actually, I want to talk about these next two things in television now that we're moving in television. Oh, so the, on the 6th, the Fighting Fitzgeralds premieres, which is created by Ed Burns, starring Brian Dennehy, Justin Lewis, and Connie Britton. Yeah, executive produced 11th, by Ireland. <laughs> yeah, right. And then on the 11th, we have Doc premiering on PAX, which is a television program where Billy Ray Cyrus mm -hmm. plays like a small town doctor who like moves to the Big Apple, becomes a big city doctor. This woman has anyway. an achy breaky heart. I just, <laughs> I just like wanted to talk about these two together because Hollywood just keeps giving these dudes things to do. Yeah, it's very <laughs> it's weird. So weird to me. Like I have nothing against Billy Ray Cyrus or Edward Burns, but. Dang, Edward Burns has another television pro program coming out like right now right. in the year of our Lord 2021 about like a family. Like, I will I will give a, a listener a thousand dollars if you can film in like a coffee shop. Someone just saying like, when is someone going to give Billy Ray Cyrus more acting work? But well, it's like, just like <laughs> that dude never gets out of our consciousness. It's very it's strange. Like, it's yeah. I mean, I don't know. For middling talent, it's just weird that these two guys have stayed relevant for so long. Like, I truly do not understand the deal with the devil that Edward Burns made. I mean, Me the dude's yeah. fine. I mean, he's like a I, handsome I, man. and But I mean, like, what think, is he doing? Why is he a, a thing? Because he's, he's a writer. Yeah, but every but everything but, he shows up in ends up being pretty bad. Yeah. yeah with a few exceptions. Bad, bad to mediocre. Like, yeah. mediocre at best i would say I think he's a like, good looking guy he's not a very strong actor but like he, I mean, he has his, he has a christy turlington he has like, his foot in the door yeah. and writes stuff like you'd be surprised how like as a former working writer no one wants to write a fucking thing ever how do we it, only know though him as a writer of like bad to mediocre things like it would be one thing if it was like oh my god he wrote the like you know <laughs> premiere of six feet under like he's, secretly as a ghostwriter like, like oh my god but no he just like writes like oh another story about like a irish catholic family who's like complicated <laughs> and the brothers have like beef with each other wow i really oh, thought cool. you were gonna, i, I <laughs> really thought you were gonna before. go to bat for this <laughs> i'm just saying give it a rest ed burns <laughs> okay okay so uh my favorite moment of television possibly ever it's always great as an snl fan when you get to see um a cast member come back and treated like a king uh mm -hmm. but it's even better if you're a real deep snl nerd when someone who was a non-celebrated writer come back and get to host and it hasn't happened very often and i, I can I, I don't know if bob odenkirk has been back to host at all but mm. he's he's appeared on the 40th anniversary show but uh for example, John Mulaney. When John Mulaney, he's hosted SNL four times in the last three years because <laughs> it's wow. awesome. He knows the writers and like, here's mm -hmm. here's all the stuff I want to do. And Here's the musical <laughs> I want to make this time. Here's the things Lauren said <laughs> no to, which he can't now, by the way. And, 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 and that's to see this marriage of these two comedic forces that were so... Uh, uh, influential on me like this the, the the things i was into conan coming back to host snl and like because this to me was like conan being recognized sorry there's a laser time episode of me talking all about how much i love conan but he was kind of the failing talk show where i was like 
I watch the talk shows. He's the only one that's not failing. And, and this is funny consistently, and none of them are, not even your precious Letterman. I was a huge Conan fan from the moment I had a black and white television that could tune into the airwaves and had no idea he had a connection to SNL. And he gets, he gets to come back and host after, shit, like seven years of being away. And uh, there are many, many things I like about this. And I had to dig very deep into the archives because these are not made very well available by the SNL gods. What is my favorite piece from this? It's all so perfectly Conan. And by that, I have to be, I guess I mean, send-ups of old people and old-timey characters, such as when he <laughs> plays Irish Donnybrook boxer, um, yeah. Jim the Gentleman Masher Cochran, and just, just <laughs> throwing out 1920s boxing threats. To the next fighter against whom I spar, let me just say this. I'll put corn in his muffin, I'll crimson his face, I'll butter his bean and serve it to him cold, I will. Then I'll deliver a blow to the mouth area. I'm sorry, I know that's not for everyone. But, I love it. But Moleculo, the molecular man, and this is the stupidest idea for a sketch that is like 10 years too late, but it's because Conan was a writer. It comes back. The whole premise is he's playing a superhero when any anytime anyone says Moleculo, he has to run back in the scene and yell, The Molecular Man! <laughs> At the top of his lungs. <laughs> And it's it's one of my favorite things ever. It's so stupid. It's the original Debbie Downer mixed with Superman because the camera has to zoom in on his face as he says it. Ugh. Notorious gangster Jackhammer Joe has been defeated. Sure is great to have a superhero around. Thanks a lot. We owe you one, Moleculo. The Molecular Man! <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we can handle it from here. Thanks again. Remember, wherever evil lurks, I will be there. I wonder where he came from. I don't know. No one knows much of anything about Moleculo. The Moleculum Man! I'm sorry. It's, it's not, <laughs> <laughs> it gets funnier when you examine the Clark Kent portion of his life where he can't not yell that every time the paper <laughs> has to say Moleculo. It, and it's, a, oh, I want it to be my new profile pic. I love Moleculo so much. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite SNL episodes, for real. The In the monologue, they travel, possibly in real time, down to his Conan studio with Tracy Morgan to find uh, Max fucking it naked on his talk show desk. It's a great, I don't know, I love this episode. Futurama, Luck of Faith, airs the next night on the 11th. Um, luck no, of the, the Friarish. Luck of the Friarish. Friarish. Um, yep. Uh, this is this is one of those episodes where they actually get very sweet. Uh, this is where they find out that there is a statue to Philip J. Fry, the original Martian. Finds out like, oh, was he the first man on Mars? And Fry realized like, oh my God, my evil brother Yancey stole my lucky seventh leaf clover, and he took over my identity, and he gets to become like a millionaire rock star and go to freaking Mars, and it's so unfair. And then like we have a flashback and find out. It's actually very heartwarming. That, it's the no, end Yancey of the statue, really, right? Yeah. That, yeah. That Yancey did not steal his life. He missed him, his brother very, very much and named his son Philip J. Fry. And it's Aww. it's really Fry's nephew that did all these things in his honor. Aww. I love Futurama so much. Um, I know. It's, yeah, it's really one of those where it's like, oh, this show is really funny. Ah, oh, the heartstring. You're massaging uh -huh. it so gently. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, also on the 11th, um, I guess you, I don't think you had to choose. They aired like a half an hour, half an hour uh, mm -hmm. time. 
Jump, sorry, I'm trying to get a hiccup out installing. The Sopranos Fortunate Sun airs, which for me was amazing because the most I knew about the Mafia was from Goodfellas where they told you what a made guy was. And in this, mm-hmm. they showed you the ceremony and it was a huge so letdown. Silly. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, a, so in this episode, Rub these cards together with your hands. Here. If you let this drop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so... It, it's the like title. they play musical chairs really seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, now we're going to pin the tail on the donkey. I've seen scarier fraternity like inductions. Like this mm. is this is real silly, but the title Fortunate Son is of course like so loaded because in this episode like kind of the main thing is that Christopher finally becomes a made man finally mm-hmm. and he like and, you know this is kind of his coronation as tony's adopted son in a way you know like yeah. this is the next step for him but then he starts to realize oh being made is not that fun like i have to put up mm. with still i still have to put up with a bunch of bullshit but then i also have like a bunch of responsibilities as well and so that goes through this relationship and on the other hand it also goes into a little bit of the relationship between Tony and AJ because mm-hmm. AJ mm-hmm. is at a point now where he's like playing football and Tony like wants to be proud of him. And AJ's like not really into the football and you know, it's, it's their relationship and it's kind of heartbreaking to watch Tony go through what so many men go through. I think with their sons of generational divide of my kids, not really into the same things I'm into and how do I talk to them? And you know, this is an ongoing thing for him and, and AJ throughout the entire series. And it's kind of heartbreaking to watch because of the people, the person that Tony is, like he can't really get out of his own way and, and and really be there for his son, I think, in a meaningful way. And we really see that here. And then we also get a really good sequence of him talking to Melfi about his panic attacks. And she is trying to get to the bottom of what's the trigger for them. And they start to kind of find out every time he's handling like meat, <laughs> that starts to be a trigger for him, the gabagoo. <laughs> and so then we get a flashback, which I think is, the flashbacks are like ugh. I love I love Sopranos I mean I love them because I love what they give us but they are kind of super so costumey but I mean I guess uh, I really want it's, to it's all we have to look it. forward That's... to next year is, is a giant Sopranos flashback I know yep. I know but like the flashbacks are so costumey like the beginning of Goodfellas in a way but then again like that's how you remember things anyways so like it gets into like why his panic attacks might be attached to the meat and he is on a run with his dad who is trying to collect money and sneaks in and watches as his dad mutilates a butcher in the back of a butcher Mm. shop. Mr. Satrial namesake of Satrial. Yeah. Mm. And so Melfi, in her psychoanalyst wisdom, kind of puts those two together. There's a lot going on this episode. A lot of foundation is being laid and a lot of things are being revealed. It's a fantastic episode. It's also highlighted by the fact that Janice has moved into his mom's house, his dead mother's house, with the one-legged prostitute. (laughs) And she steals her leg because Janice fucking sucks. Oh, that whole storyline also is like, oof. Janice is one of my favorite hateable characters in She's history. the worst. She's, she's I hate wonderful. her. Fucking Janice. But she's so consistent. Yeah. Like, I've known people yeah. like her. Like, yep, yeah. that's what she would do. She would make it all about herself. Yep. Yeah. I mean, she steals this lady's leg. <laughs> right. For, because but the, the lady has, uh, what, the, the mom's records? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then Janice is like, that's the one thing I have to remember my mother. And it's like, you have the house, you stupid bitch. Don't yeah. <laughs> You're just lying to everybody. You're just greedy. On, you want to sell them on eBay. She's the worst. Yeah. I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the horrendous, <laughs> hilarious Sonic Shuffle, the uh, Sonic Mario Party for the Sega Dreamcast. Uh, mm. it's, it's pretty shocking he didn't have more of these, given how many Mario parties there have been. But uh, Sonic Shuffle is out this week, and I forget why. I was listening to some music from it the other day and just losing my mind. It was so hilarious. Sonic the Hedgehog is ridiculous. But, but again, patreon.com slash laser time. Maybe I'll play it before, um, before then. We'll see. But, oh, we got to close out of 2001 with Alien Ant Farm. Smooth Criminal. Oh, this is a great music video, too, by the way. It is. Yeah, it's fun. It is. Yeah. For some this reason, it, it like, popped up in my Facebook feed, like, yesterday. It's just such with. a fun song. It's, like, very... It just energizes you in a really fun way. Mm. And I will always be bitter because, let's see, this is my... I was in high school, probably my sophomore year of high school, in my jazz dance class. We had the choice of dancing to smooth criminal either this version or the michael jackson version and i was outvoted everyone chose the michael jackson version i'll always be bitter about that because yeah. it would have been a way cooler dance if we could do it to alien ant farm and also way less like gross and weird you know very much 2001 <laughs> right <laughs> uh, never would have had to ask when was that oh yeah definitely uh but we'll close that with uh aaf as the kids call and we'll be right back with 2011 stay right there the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of march 5th through 11th oh boy two very <laughs> different movies to talk about i guess i mean it's not really a recommendation but i'll say happy 50th anniversary to george lucas's debut thx1138 never really grabbed me but you know it works for some people it's just it's so different than everything else it's sort of like how this is the same guy like this is what you wanted to do at film school okay uh, but it's also the 50th anniversary of a movie I believe I recommended when we lost Max von Sydow, which is The Emigrants. I think I was saying Immigrants last time, but The Emigrants with an E, directed by Jan Troel from 1971. Um, so really just beautiful, understated movie with Max von Sydow and Liv Ullman, I believe it's Swedish, about folks living, you know, at dirt poor in like rural Sweden in like 18, late 1800s, I would say, and why they choose to come to America and then their journey coming to America and what the passage like is on the ship and it's terrible. And, you know, finally getting to Minnesota, of course. And what's that like? And yeah, I just, I, cause it was nominated for best picture. I ended up watching it cause that's just a thing I do. And I was like, God damn, why have I never heard of the emigrants from 1971? So I'm going to recommend it because, you know, Max von Sydow was really good actor in English, but he, he was better in his native language. And then my second recommendation of a movie that is a hundred years old. I love when this happens. From 1921, The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, starring starring Rudolph Valentino, Wallace Beery, Pomeran Cannon, uh, Joseph Strickland. And this is 
it's kind of it's one of the early anti-war films there were a bunch of them coming right after world war one obviously because it was so devastating and so unlike anything anyone had seen before war-wise that there are some really good silence that come out of that looking at world war one and, and that whole experience and four horsemen the apocalypse is one of the best ones because it's not about that for most of it. Most of it is just about, like, these guys and they have this carefree life and everything's so great and Rudolph Valentino dances the tango and it's super sexy and then they go off to World War One, and it doesn't go great for anyone, but it's so interesting to watch a movie that's, what, three years after the war ended? What What is the take on the ground at the time? How is this being artistically shown to people who just came back from the freaking war? I mean, really good movie. I, I thought I was going to be bored. I ended up really liking it. The action scenes are fantastic. That tango is mwah. So The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse from 1921. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Chilling with my N-words. Say it like a white kid. Yes, your booty's big as hers. Say that to my white bitch. So she don't get embarrassed. My dick is made of carrots. Bunnies wanting to be fed it. I met honeys. Oh, forget it. I have worked all winter. I will not fail summer in the back of a bush like having Rossdale's drummer. Coming into 2011 with Freaks and Geeks off of EP, the debut of Childish Gambino. Known by no other name, I believe. Was his name generated in a Wu-Tang name generator? Yes, I believe. Which is awesome that we have a Raekwon album right next to this. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, Twenty eleven new releases for March fifth to the eleventh include uh, "Lasers" by Lupe Fiasco, "Shaolin vs. Wu Tang" by Raekwon, "Collapse" into uh, now REM's final studio album, uh, "Relentless Reckless Forever" by Children of Bottom, uh, "Reptilians" by Starfucker, "Civilian" by Y.E. Oak, and "Forevermore" by White Snake. A twenty eleven White Snake album. I can't even imagine. Wow. <laughs> Born This Way by Lady Gaga is still number one. Uh, a little bit of news to bring you into the wonderful world of uh, 2011. I didn't even know how to deal with this. Uh, the fourth, fourth most powerful earthquake on in world history at a 9.1 is recorded off the coast of Tohaku, uh, triggering a tsunami 100 feet tall, traveling at more than 400 miles per hour. Uh, it causes $360 billion in damage. Uh, 16,000 people are dead in the meltdown of the Fukushima nuclear power plant. Yeah, this is, uh, I think last week I said this is the most powerful earthquake ever. No, but it is the most powerful earthquake to ever hit Japan, a country that is pretty used to earthquakes. Mm. This was devastating. And to find out, oh, it's not even close to the deadliest earthquake tsunami ever. Yeah, I, I didn't even realize the the Haiti one in 2010 killed a lot more people. Uh, the Indonesian Ocean one, that killed a lot. But yeah, they had this... The tsunami was what did it. The earthquake was really bad. It shifted the entire island, the, the largest island of Japan. It shifted the whole island about eight feet. <gasps> like in oh Lost? Gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yes, like in Lost. <laughs> Just eight feet. Uh, uh, a, a, a little. Uh, what I remember about this is that um, we had to fly to Seattle for PAX this, mm-hmm. this day, and it was the first time ever uh, we were streaming the tsunami and by that I mean the wave on the internet and that had never had we could follow it in real time and like it was very scary and living in San Francisco it's like well obviously this is going to devastate us and we won't Mm -hmm. fly uh, to Seattle tomorrow and it somehow didn't but like everyone thought it was going to and then we get there and like oh thank thank god we missed that and and oh go ahead oh yeah no I mean there were tsunami warnings for the entire west coast 
and the tide went up like a couple feet. Mm. It, it, luckily, it wasn't that bad. But yeah, I remember getting the, the tsunami warning and being like, uh, what do you expect me to do? Yeah, I guess I'm I was... a couple miles inland already, so I guess I'm okay. But I'm going to ask, what is the protocol when you get a tsunami warning? Get me that, was, that was the scary part. There's nothing. Nothing you can yeah. do. Okay. Yeah. It's I wasn't get, sure if you guys had like some sort of no no get away from the coast thing. Yeah, that's Ooh. it. And Ooh. I remember, yeah, local news stations went out to point it pointed at Ocean Beach, and there were surfers out there. Like mm-hmm. this is going to be great. And I was like, okay, if you're lucky, nothing will happen. If you're unlucky, you're all gonna die. You shred no, the norm. Right. So everyone makes fun of Floridians for surfing during hurricanes, but it's surfers everywhere. Oh yeah, it's just surfers. They're they're just silly. You just don't want to. You yeah. want to ride that wave like ah, and you just don't want to get pitted, bruh. You're like ah, I just smacked into a skyscraper because I got pushed seven miles inland. So yeah. I, I remember like Tyler and I were up all night, like literally watching a wave roll through the fucking Pacific Ocean. It was very weird, and we we were able to fly to PAX the next day, and then we get there and like oh thank God. Don't really know what's happening. Our phones aren't working. We're on the convention show floor, mm. and then we have uh, these interviews with these prominent Japanese developers, and they were just like, uh, "Oh boy!" It slipped my mind, and I watched these. The, the nicest way I can describe Japanese developers are very professional, and this is just like, I need a minute. I we cannot find my grandparents, and it was like so oh, fucking heartbreaking. Like having all these video game interviews lined up with uh, people from Japan that day. Mm. This uh, it's something it so was... odd. Like like uh, so the game will it's be out. Gonna... The game will be out next month. Next next month says the translator and just like oh my god, just sit down, just sit down. You need to use my phone. You can use my phone. Like we'll we'll call them. We'll find them. Devastating to have to be around. I've never been around like professional. Like trying to be professional in a tragedy like that. Anyway. Mm. Um, Yep, but oh, so many people are like, how come they built that power plant so close to the ocean when they know they have earthquakes and tsunamis? Like, they built it for an earthquake and a tsunami. This was just so much bigger than what they were prepared for. And so, yeah, the, the Fukushima thing is really the, the big lasting devastation and that three out of four of the cores started to melt down and leak because they got swamped with all this water and it, like, broke down all the electrical systems so they couldn't, like, keep the coolant going and they, like, couldn't get water in and out there i tr- i read really technical things about this and i was like flashing back to when i was trying to understand what happened at chernobyl it's like this is too technical mm-hmm. but uh, a bunch of radioactivity did get out and i mean the real heroes of it i think are what they call the fukushima 50 because there were about 800 people working at that plant and most of them evacuated and some of them especially old timers were like fuck it i'm already irradiated i gotta protect other people because if Everybody had left and they just let it melt down. It would have been way worse than Chernobyl. Mm, I, I believe yeah. uh, the the better legacy that came out of this, Sarah, is the Shin Godzilla movie we watched. Is, oh, is, God, it's so good. It's about, <laughs> it's about like what Diana said, that like we built this to prepare for everything and apparently we mm-hmm. can't prepare for everything. What do we, how do we respond to this? We have no idea. And mm. the Shin I don't God- want to take... If I make a decision, what if I'm wrong? I'll get in trouble. Yeah. I better kick it up the chain of command. And Shin nah. Godzilla is a giant, angry, par- comedic parody of the fallout here. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, of people not wanting to be the one in charge to have to make the decisions. The, the higher up people were, just, yeah, not doing what they needed to fucking do. And it was the these lower level guys that were like, no, we're going in there. I'm going to live on site. I'm going to keep going in there. I know I'm going to get irradiated. I know this is going to shorten my life, mm-hmm. but I got to. And uh, they had a bunch of volunteers that were like old dudes or had retired from the nuclear industry who were like, I'd rather it be me, an old dude who's lived my whole life than someone mm-hmm. younger. So mm-hmm. 
let me suit up, send me in there. We can finally get the coolant running. They jerry-rigged a whole bunch of stuff to make it not so bad, but they still had a ton of radioactive water that they wanted to release. And the government was like, uh, fisheries department would like you to not do that and poison all our food. <sighs> so, uh, yeah, mm. apparently it is stable now. They are decommissioning it, but that could have gotten, it's, it's a low level tragedy that one, but it could have been a massive disaster. Uh, so our hats it's off to the Fukushima pretty, 50. <laughs> it's, no, it's pretty, the more I read about it, the more I was like, Oh dear God. <laughs> These are some brave motherfuckers. I don't know if I could have done that. Ooh, okay. Anyway, yeah. Uh, I'm going to try not to have just have like Fukushima news every week because obviously it takes years to rebuild. They said it's like the worst devastation since World War II. How am I supposed yeah, to segue into the Juliet Binoche movie? I don't know. It's just, it just is amazing more people didn't die considering how, how, how huge that, that tsunami was. Anyway, yeah, movie, certified copy. That's an uh, Avi Karostami movie with Juliet Binoche. There you go. Very cool. Um, Alrighty. There you go. And then we also have uh wow, look at all these heavy hitters, literally. Paul Sorvino, Vinnie Jones, Jason Butler Harner, uh Fianula. Fianula? Flanagan, uh Linda Cardellini, Christopher Walken, Val Kilmer, uh Vincent D'Onofrio and Ray Stevenson. Kill the Irishman. Did not see that one. Uh, a lot of people didn't see mm. it. A lot of people liked it though, because it's about it's based on a true story mm. about like Irish and Italian gangs in Cleveland in the sixties. But every review I found would not shut up about just fucking a bad photocopy of Goodfellas, man. Mm. They're trying so fucking hard to be Goodfellas. Yeah, right. It's like big poorly. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you just want to watch a photocopy of Goodfellas, sure. <laughs> That's fun. That's a good old fashioned American story. Yeah. But, yeah, a lot of actors I like. So, mm. all right. And, and um, I do vaguely remember this one: Julie Christie, Lucas Haas, Virginia Madsen, Mike, Max Irons, Shiloh Fernandez, Billy Burke, Gary Oldman, Amanda Seyfried, Red Riding Hood. <laughs> What's that? This is so dumb, but it is kind of it is kind of fun dumb. But all right, really all right. Dumb. It looked fun, dumb for sure, and it yeah. looks like it's like verging on a little bit of camp potentially. Like, yeah, yeah I could be into it. Yeah, so I want to say it's directed by Catherine Hardwick, who did the first Twilight movie. So yeah. she's a good director, and she mm-hmm. makes things look very stylish and pretty. Mm-hmm. It's very gray and black, except for you know the red outfit is pretty striking. But it's sort of like the Crucible, and that like it takes place in this little village. And oh no, I think there's a witch and. Amanda Seyfried is, I guess, Red Riding Hood now. Gary Oldman is this like werewolf hunter who's replaced his fingernails with sterling silver so he can he can kill him with his bare hands. It's Ooh. like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> this just watch the Vivitch, honestly. Oh, I love the Vivitch. Yeah. I love the Vivitch. Yeah. Well, if you want something that's like, yes, the Vivitch, but super over the top, then yeah, Red Riding Hood. I I did get a couple laughs out of it. I'm just like, oh my god, what? Yeah. <laughs> All right. That actually sounds right up my alley, so I'm going to have to go back and look at it. Mm. No, you really probably shouldn't. Okay. It's yeah. more like if you stumble along and it's there, it's like... Oh, okay, okay. All right. uh, same with this movie. Um, I would love to defend it, just because I love I love who who made it, What like who, who tried to make it. Mars Needs Moms, Joan Cusack, Mindy Sterling, Elizabeth uh, Hernoy, Dan Fogler, and Seth Green, sort of. Mars Needs Moms. Milo! Don't forget to try! Have you cleaned your room? The only thing tougher than having a mom. No broccoli, no TV. It looks like brains. You like zombies. Zombies eat brains. He's getting her back. Mom? From these guys. Let her go! Tomorrow. Welcome to Mars. What's going on? Mars needs moms. 
Man, Mars needs Botox. Don't miss the biggest IMAX 3D adventure in the galaxy. We've got to save my mom. I'm down with your scene, man. <laughs> Mars needs moms. Rated PG. Mars needs moms. Oh, mm. there's so many things that are so close to great in this. Yeah, I, I just, I, I really hate the Jim Carrey Christmas Carol movie. And I feel okay. like it's so much worse than this. But the, the, those are those are the two movies made by Robert Zemeckis and Disney's co-company of digital, what, Image Movers Digital, a co-financing project from Robert Zemeckis wanting to make more Polar Express-type movies, Beowulf nonsense, with Disney stories. And this movie is based on a story from Berkeley Breath, the, the Bloom County opus. I think he's a genius. I love fucking Berkeley Breath stuff, um, even down to Tanner 88. And this just, <laughs> it, it looks weird, but like... Why would why did everybody embrace Christmas Carol? It looks the same. It Yeah. I think this looks better. I mean, part of uh, part of what makes me sad is it we're we're smack we get into the uncanny valley again. Yeah. Like the mm-hmm. the mocap on everyone, it's very good, but it's always slightly wrong. It's so close to photorealistic that sometimes it's like, whoa. And sometimes it's just it it's just wrong. If they if they did this and made the character's design a little more cartoonish mm-hmm. so that it pulled it away from that uncanniness, I'd probably like it more. And that's why I think but... Disney invested in the technology because it was, we can make animation cheap is sort of what Zemeckis mm-hmm. was telling people. Not that Zemeckis hasn't done a ton of great things towards technology. That's what I see when I see Polar Express and it's mocap and like it's Seth Green as the main character who they recast because it turns out it's too creepy to have an adult's voice Coming out of a mocap ten year old. So like Seth yeah, Green so is credited he, he, as the motion capture for this ten year old and they recast yeah. his voice. Uh, yeah, him and Joan Cusack both. It's like I can tell it's them. Yeah. It's like the mannerisms and the face and everything. Okay, I can totally distinctive tell it's, everything. Yeah, I can totally tell it's Seth Green, even though it's a kid's voice coming out of him. It's pretty impressive. But I, I would love to compare this. This needs to go head to head with where the wildlings are because they're very Mm. similar stories. They're from very short children's books that get expanded out to feature length and where the wildlings are works wonderfully. Look at me. And Mars needs moms feels way over long. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, And really overcomplicated. Like instead of just (laughs) Mars, Martians are stealing moms because they want moms. Mm. It's like they're stealing moms to put into robots to raise their kids because they don't raise their kids anymore because they have like it's a it's a gynocracy and all the men live in the trash which word okay (laughs) they got rid of the men because they were useless and not helping with the kids duh built robots instead it's like and then but if they name me up scotty (laughs) yeah they like upload the they steal the mom to upload her consciousness into their robots but that will kill the mom and now there's a ticking clock if they have to do it when the sun is just right Way too complicated. Too complicated, yeah, and the Martians are to too malevolent. If it were like they seem malevolent, but then it turns out like, no, they're just lonely kids. So they don't have any guidance because they don't have any moms. Okay, like that's. I feel like that's better yeah, for a my, kids movie. This is often very like ugly. So much of it takes place in the trash. That my my complaint <laughs> is or, that it, or it's, inside like Death Star corridors. You, you put all this effort into a digital movie and like this is awful to look at every moment yeah every moment is awful to look at and i still think it's not as bad as people say but because no. one of the things people say is that it is 
the biggest bomb attached to Disney's name ever in history. Like literally, for real. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Adjusted for inflation. It is really, it did really bad. And Disney wow. immediately shuttered this entire endeavor, this motion capture technology. And ha- we yeah. have not seen it since. And I know this because Zemeckis was like, what do you want to do next? And he's like, I want to make a Roger Rabbit sequel finally. And this was kind of the nail in that coffin because this, Mm. uh, on the bright side, it would have been done with this technology. So fuck that. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, like I, maybe John Carter would go on, but the amount this cost, which was like $200 million, I think, I think I was reading in variety, nothing with Disney's name on it has performed this poorly in the first Mm. week at the box office. It got, wow. It was critically panned. It didn't look very good. Um, the the name is a reference to like a 1950s. Like Diane is laughing because like no one's yeah, gonna get this. It's a if it's a reference, it's a reference to a movie that deserves to be talked about more when we talk about the worst films of all time. <laughs> Mars Needs Women is so bad, but that's a catchy title. And Mars Needs Moms <laughs> is an even catchier title. It's yeah. it's great. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they take this very short, simple story about like, I mean, it's, it's so much like where the wild things are. It's kind of crazy. The idea of like, you know, I you're, I don't want my parents bossing me around. I'll do what I want. Yeah. And then gradually realizing like, no, they they care about you. And, you know, you you should go back to them. And that's what parental love is. And blah, 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 blah. all that heartwarming stuff. And mm. oh, yeah, it's not as bad as its reputation. I mean, I ended up finding it generally watchable, but mm. just overlong and overcomplicated man and yeah. oh it got creamed at the box office yeah yeah it's, cost it's... with with uh marketing probably 200 million dollars it made about 40 oh yeah, yeah. The, the first the first week was like four and it was like i think before the before the movie had come out disney knew it was up and had kind of yeah, politely shit canned about 500 people's jobs uh, like it was, it was that big a disaster. Like it, it's not when you say bomb, like ah, oh, that didn't make money. Like no, this this had a crater that like <laughs> like affected the entire motion capture industry in um, in movies for a little while. It cost hundreds yeah. of people their jobs. So Mars needs moms. It's notable for that. It should have got out of the way for the movie. I didn't expect anything from because when I went to Comic Con, this was shrouded in everything. But now it gets played on cable. Maybe I missed something with. Michael Pena, Neo, Bridget Moynihan, Ramon Rodriguez, um, Shell Rodriguez, and Aaron Eckhart. Number one at the box office, Battle, colon, Los Angeles. We now know that meteors will land off the coast. Evacuations are now underway. Oh, it appears that there's some shadowy figures. Lucas, if you could just come back, please. Oh my God. When you invade a place for its resources, you wipe out population right now we are being colonized and so when i was at comic-con it was it was battle for los angeles and it was everywhere you went this was every but they changed it to battle colon los angeles it's just independence yeah well i mean it does have the the thing that stands out it's just War of the Worlds or Independence Day, mm. except it's just what the military is doing. It's just mm. boots on the ground instead mm. of showing the scientists or the president or anything. So it's like Black Hawk Down, but with aliens. <laughs> great, great. And that's kind of my complaint is because it's just so constant and loud and running and shrieking and Thank people you. blowing up and every war movie cliche 
you could think of. It's like, yeah, as much as you've just, it's fucking Independence Day, at least it's from a slightly different perspective. So mm. I, I give them that to make, make a war movie out of that stuff instead of a thriller or, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, a spooky, something more horror-based. It's like, yeah, it's a war movie, mm. but it's just, it's so unrelenting. Yeah, just like I, I, Starship Troopers. Oh, that that's, sorry, that's a satire war on war propaganda. That movie's amazing. Yeah, that's got, at least, that's got satire to it. This is really just... Hoorah! Yeah, super hoorah, let's go. Come on, let's blow up some aliens. But, oh no, Brooklyn Joe, they got him. <laughs> Wait, is there a southern guy? Uh, Probably yeah, Aaron Eckhart. Is there a guy with glasses and red hair? Probably. Oh, yeah. shit. Someone who wants to find their family or show someone a picture of their best girl, Betsy Lou, back at the farm. Yep, yep, yep. yep, 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 yep. But it's number one. And I, th I, I was shocked to see I, it was playing on cable the other day. And like, I haven't thought about this movie in 10 years. So if anybody out there listening, we have a website, Facebook group. I'd love to hear, like, what, are we missing something? Is this a modern classic? Things would kind of come it's... come and go from number one at the box office because what the hell else are you going to watch this this week? Yeah, and... I mean, I I feel like it it is it's watchable and it's a great movie to just pop up on cable because you can pick it up anywhere. I did, yeah. Okay. I was, I, yeah. I, yeah. You don't need to set up. You can walk in forty five minutes into this movie and <laughs> you'll get it right away. All right, there's aliens and Aaron Eckhart is like the squad leader and there's the Marines. Gotcha. What? Mm. What do you want? Um, I want to talk about TV. 2011, right. March 5th of the 11th. Wow, Charlie Sheen is officially fired off of Two and a Half Men, and everything after that is not canon. Uh, <laughs> no, they don't I... just fire him; they kill his ass. Yeah. So, uh, did David Cross's wife come on before or after this? After. Oh, okay. Amber um, Tamblin. I think right. she joined with the the Kutcher portion. Got it. Um, okay. I believe. I, I don't. I don't fucking know. And I, I I know they killed him, but I know they he came back in the final episode. Uh, in some capacity, maybe a flashback As or something ghost. like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a force ghost. Because yeah. <laughs> none of that is important to me because like, I wouldn't watch an episode of Two and a Half Men if you put a gun to my head and screened it on the back of my eyelids. I can't imagine a fate. It's like a fate worse than death to me. Who gives mm -hmm. a shit? What a terrible it's show. Fine. <laughs> no, it's fine. No, it's, it's just It's fine. under fine. It is sub fine. It is not fine. If you find it comforting and you like it, good for you. This is not a good show. It's it's the opposite of a good show. It just yeah, it was I mean, it was popular and it was on a show. It, it was it was on a channel people were watching as the streaming age was about to take over everything. Uh, the the last island of television was CBS in this night with Big Bang Theory and Two and a Half Men. It's a yeah. Chuck Lorre show, and mm. but so is Big Bang Theory. And the weird thing about Two and a Half Men is that I've never met a huge Two and a Half Men fan. <laughs> Like I've never met yeah. anyone who's like like loves two and a half two and a half men. It was the most popular sitcom for a very long time. Now yeah. I have met plenty of people who are huge Big Bang Theory fans. Ditto. And sure. I went through a little Big Bang Theory phase myself, where I like did some comfort watching of it, especially if I was like away and I was in a hotel room. Like that's kind of the perfect thing to throw on TBS if you're alone in a hotel room. I watch John Cryer movies. I watch Hiding Out because it was on TCM at two in the morning the other reason for no yeah. reason. <laughs> but it's it's astonishing to me that Two and a Half Men has the cultural prominence that it does and was so popular for so long and I've never met anyone who loves that, that show. Charlie, Charlie Sheen fi I, fired, I also... he's fired as the highest paid person in all of television. Two well, million dollars per episode. It's wild. Oh. And I also want to say too, like I 
run in a lot of different circles. Like I, I don't just like run in like, you know, the battle like, Los Angeles under <laughs> prestige television only like circles. Like I have a diverse group of friends, many of whom who love all kinds of non-prestige television. Let's just say still two and a half men have right. never, has never it, was, it was baffling I've, to be in like New York I've, subway stations and see like those, cross-armed opposite posters two and a half men every day on fox 11 like for who i i, I no one down down here you know, is looking at this I, i've known so many people who they're like oh yeah i watch that mm. and that's it it's like i guess they enjoy it like every time i've seen it i've gotten maybe a chuckle an episode like this mm-hmm. is the same way i watch step by step like uh i can't wait yeah, till urkel exactly. comes on oh yeah or it's just like it's okay it's okay i'm not i i, I didn't chuckle. even but like uh, uh, they, I believe Charlie Sheen and Chuck Lorre have like made statements this week addressing mm-hmm. these situations, and Charlie Sheen a little more lucid than normal is like, yeah, I, I dealt with that poorly. And <laughs> wait, this no. week in two thousand twenty-one? Yes, yes. Oh wow, he he is talking really? about it. Yeah, he's talking about it right now. But I think he's addressed it in the, in the past too, because there's no way to make him look good during any of this. He, he like literally made anti-Semitic jabs at like, he, he never would have been allowed to work again. Would he have done this in 2021 and mm. in, in any capacity, not, not blackballed by Hollywood Jews, but like, like, no, you, you like said some awful things like in ethically, no one wants to put in your shit work wise. Why would anybody want to work with you? If you're going to blow up like this, I, <laughs> that I sounds it, like cancel culture. It's not I cancel culture. Has, no, I think it has a lot, lot, lot more to do with affording the insurance that it pays, that it costs <laughs> right. to Ooh. hire. You're, you're a liability. You're a problem. Yeah. You're a, you're a reason production starts late every day. You don't uh-huh. get hired. Like, I don't, I, I really don't think this dude was canceled. I mean, he definitely, I think he went in under, you know, Hopefully got some help. He's obviously like very, he was very troubled at the time. And I hope everyone who goes through these sorts of things gets help and can be later on successful after they've done the work. I should say SNL this week is hosted by Miley Cyrus, the musical guest, The Strokes, all momentous things. Charlie Sheen has mentioned like 9,000 times in this episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's even kind of a not very like tasteful sketch i think that probably would it's called uh the talk show duh winning with charlie sheen and bill Hader doing an interesting charlie sheen impression (laughs) um by that i mean like it's like a it's like if al his al pacino whispered uh but a very raspy (laughs) charlie sheen holding a cigarette the entire time none of it is nice and it's all very weird. And never mind. SNL this week, yes. Miley Cyrus is the host. She's a guest on the Miley Cyrus show where Vanessa Bayer <laughs> plays Miley Cyrus. And then and then video games of 2011. This is a big one for uh, a lot of you people out there. Pokemon Black and White arrives on U.S. Oh. shores. Uh, the third, fourth, fourth iteration of Pokemon. I don't care. We'll talk about it on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Dragon Age 2 lands. And I remember, I think I was working at PC Gamer... But I didn't like PC games very much. So, uh, no. so I, the, the first Dragon Age was very PC friendly. And this was like the consolization of Dragon Age. So we'll talk about that on uh, Patreon.com slash LaserTime. And then even more boringly for me, MLB The Show 11 slash 2K11 is out. Back when we had two baseball games, I believe 10 years from now, Sony now publishes the only baseball game there is. And it 
just to make the money back, releases it on Microsoft platforms. So it's it's a very <laughs> weird scenario. <laughs> so with that out of the way, thank you guys so much for listening. Tell friends about the show. Maybe get, throw us five bucks at patreon.com slash laser time like David Reinhardt and many other fine people over there. It's very sweet of you guys. Thank you for supporting us for this many years. We do appreciate it. Di, where can people find you? They can find me on the Twitter at listenernerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. And tease in next week, Bradley Cooper can do anything, and Simon Pegg and Nick Frost are going on a road trip with an alien. Mm. And we get to talk about the documentary that launched a huge, huge revolution in dance. True that. Really? Oh, I cannot wait. Yes. I, I truly cannot wait. The children are legendary. Yeah, again, thank you guys so much. With that out of the way, births and deaths. Who died and lived during this period? Well, I only found one, and it's a guy you probably don't recognize his name, but I think you should appreciate. In 2011, we lost Hugh Martin, who was 96. And you're like, I don't know that. Well, you know his work because he wrote Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, one of the best Christmas songs of all time. 100%. Yeah. Love it. Oh, I just... You ever, like, this is a bad thing to bring up at the end of the show, but you ever, like, rearranged your DVDs and, like, yeah, I'm going to make a Christmas section. And I, <laughs> I kept filing things aside. I'm, I'm singing songs from each of them, and I sung that today to myself, filing away Home Alone. This song is, it has all the markers of a great Christmas song because it's also a tiny bit sad. Yeah. And that's what I want in my Christmas songs. Yeah. I want sadness. Each, each subsequent version has stripped some of the sad away, mm-hmm. but yeah. it's still sad. The original Ooh, yeah. original is incredibly sad. Then the Judy Garland, they tweaked a couple of the lines to make it slightly less sad. And then Frank Sinatra made it even less sad, but it's still so sad. I mean, Love it. if Judy Garland is doing it, it's going to be sad. But anyway, out of the way, the birthday song. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo. All right, we got someone who's turning 50. 50 years old can bend and stretch. He can he can do that, I bet. I don't know. I learned something about this guy I did not know, and I'm, it's probably going to shock you guys a little bit, but some youthful indiscretion. Born March 10th, 1971 in St. Louis, Missouri. His dad ran a family trucking company. John um, His mom. God damn it, how did you do that? <laughs> You son of a bitch. I'm not going to let Sarah take this. I'm you son of a bitch. I'm just not. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. How did you do that? John Ham's wow, on a lot wow. of podcasts. If you ever heard him talk about the Slar with the Slar brothers, they're all from St. Louis. Um, That's true. Um, keep going. Wow, wow, wow. Wow. Just, just put it in all the right. wiki that I won. Move all Sarah's right. face over down below. <laughs> Somewhere near where wherever my ass Look, tastes bad. Even a blind pig finds an acorn now and then. Yeah. Now here's my question. Does he talk about the fraternity incident? Ooh. Ooh. Go on. All right. Well, I mean, I was shocked to find out his mom died when he was really young, and then his dad died while he was in college. Around mm-hmm. the same time wow. when he was attending University of Texas where he was arrested for participating in a violent frat hazing. A kid was beaten with a paddle and set on fire while John Hamm led him around with a claw hammer under his nuts. <gasps> Don't be yeah. shocked. He was, he, was, he was 20 at the time. Uh, three of the other guys did jail time. He got five years probation, and the frat was shut down. Wow. wow. But obviously it worked. He stayed clean. He, he made it through probation okay. Went to University of Missouri, got into acting, graduated. 
Uh, and that's when, after that, he went and taught eighth graders. Yeah. In, Can you in, imagine? Including his, including his, was... his future co-star, Ellie Kemper. Ellie Kemper, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. That's mm -hmm. so funny. Can you imagine having John Hamm as your teacher? Ooh, girl. Oh, Jesus. Ooh, girl. Jesus. <laughs> I was thinking, which is worse, violent frat guys or eighth graders? Ooh. Eighth graders were the I mean, worst in my like like that that was I like that was like guns are worse. Guns and shit were like an eighth grade thing. John Hamm is one of those people that is like, it is so unbelievably unfair that someone that attractive can also be that funny. Yes. Like for like his he's <laughs> is, best friends with like Paul Rudd, which is also super unfair, and is like palled around <laughs> with all of our favorite comedians for years before he ever became a famous person. Uh, Adam Ugh. Scott, Adam Scott, and John Hamm are in the fake credits of Anchorman Ugh. because mm -hmm. he was friends with Paul Rudd. But it, it, but it's, it's rude. It's, it, it's I'm glad Sarah. It is not easy being handsome and funny. Like it is. A, yeah. It's a it's a constant tightrope. Uh, I'm glad you're. I'm glad to hear some empathy from you guys. Yeah. Oh, so <laughs> have you read some books about it or something? Like, I don't understand what's. I'm reading what? some books. The game, like, uh, <laughs> the, like. I just. I don't know why you would like know about that perspective in any way. So. You know, I actually do have a little bit of sympathy for, especially starting out, because it took him a long time. Yeah. to build up his career and there i found a direct quote that he came to la uh in like the very late 90s and says quote i came in the dawson's creek era it was all about tiny guys who look like teenagers and i never looked like a teenager ever so i was like auditioning to play their dads at 25 I, I believe i heard him in an interview <laughs> recently say the entire channel of cbs said like this man will not star in a show on this network so that that's what he was up against. Like cool guy, like John Hamilton. Don't worry. In a couple months, or maybe next year, I can't remember. It's either the first or second season of Gilmore Girls. He has a small role. And he, yeah, he he, was... he shows up on one episode of so many shows. I was going to yeah. go through the yeah. unit, Gilmore Girls, Thrumbers. Uh, he was supposed to do a one episode, a one episode gig as a firefighter on Providence, and they liked him so much it turned into like a whole season long thing. Oh, it's like John Hamm as firefighter. He was the uh, uh, visual model for Prince Eric. That's one of my favorite 30 Rock jokes about him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Also, a couple of things of his that we've talked about. His film debut in Space Cowboys, where he has all of one line. Mm -hmm. Mostly, he just loiters around in the background. Uh, he was on The Division for three seasons on Lifetime as a cop. And also, we talked about The Ten, The Town, Day of the Earth Stood Still. And coming up shortly, uh, Kissing Jessica Stein and Bridesmaids. Wow. Oh, I cannot Fucking bridesmaids wait. I cannot up. wait. Do you know how many other actors he beat out to play Don Draper? Mm. 80. <gasps> and they almost didn't cast him because they thought he was too handsome. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of realizing that's the point of the character. That's when, oh, man. Yep. Also, 12 Emmy nominations for 30 Rock, Kimmy Schmidt, and Mad Mad Combined. Wow. Yes, he's so funny. It's just, it drives me insane. It's You're not allowed to rude, be so honestly. good at being a dramatic actor and also be so silly. Yeah. And oh my also, God. when you, like, he looks, the more disheveled he looks, the better he looks, which is very upsetting. Yes. <laughs> and he, he fake directed uh, one of my favorite moments in television history, which is the greatest moment of television history. <laughs> <laughs> the first episode where he he and Adam Scott recreate the opening of Simon and Simon, oh my um, God. shot for shot, which I watch like once a month and just get very happy having oh. never seen Simon and Simon. It's so so funny. Oh my God, some of the shit he gets up to on Kimmy Schmidt just 
blows my mind. The Reverend like, Wayne I, Gary Wayne? Yeah, <laughs> Reverend Wayne Gary Wayne. Or Richard Wayne Gary Wayne. Yeah. I I still, like, I just, I'm re-watching 30 Rock right now, and his whole, oh my God. his whole run on it is so perfect. When he has the two hook hands. I, I oh, didn't know all the, yeah, the but, terrible stuff about, about college, but now it's like a redemption story. Like, yeah, right? you can pull your shit together. We haven't even broached John Ham's John Ham, which is one of my favorite SNL sketches of all time. Soap dispensers full of mustard. Optional mustard. Soap dispenser, of course. Happy birthday. Happy 50th birthday, John Ham's John John Ham. The only actor from St. Louis. What are we closing out with? Well, there are so many songs off the New Jack City soundtrack, but I had to go with the one that I think charted the highest. And is okay look i realize if you're 30 or younger you weren't there to experience the real version of dick in a box please go watch the video for i want to sex you up by color me bad which you realize no no they're not making that up yeah we live through this yeah yeah and i, and I this, think you i mean and... this song is a jam but oh my god i just look at it now and i just start thinking about a dick in a box and you ladies were too young to actually probably within a five-year radius of this someone said this to you at a bar they just did no no thank god no no one's ever no. said it to you. i'm just saying think, like you, you guys would have been like teenagers around this time so like i think uh, diana and i give off very threatening auras so. <laughs> no everyone find someone to virtually sex up we're gonna take you up with color me bad watch new jack city on hbo max we love you we'll see you next week